Welcome to the Conference Collective podcast, celebrating the best in innovation and leadership from those who are creating positive change in the business events industry. A podcast brought to you by the Professional Conference Organisers Association and hosted by me, Libby Ray, from Connected Event Group. This podcast provides listeners with the the behind-the-scenes access to some of our key innovators in our industry as they share their honest and raw insights highlighting how collaboration and innovation resilience are at the core of our industry. Today we are joined by Belinda Meredith. Belinda is an event professional of nearly 25 years. Having studied a Bachelor of Business and Event Management, she started her career as an event manager working across a range of different sectors. In 2013, Belinda made her decision to transfer her venue knowledge and event planning skills to the supply side of the industry. And along with her husband, Tom, and business partners, David and Karen Coulthard, started a new exhibitions company, Outstanding Displays, supplying quality, sustainable and modern exhibition infrastructure to the business event sector. Welcome, Belinda. Hi, Libby. Pleasure to be here. Very much looking forward to chatting to you today. What a really interesting industry you've worked, you're working in, and also really like the way that you set up your company to be focused on sustainability and really looking at different innovation areas for your customers to be able to look at delving into. Now, I'd love to sort of get here from your words. We heard a few words uh, in your intro, just a little bit about your career journey to date. What was it that drew you to the events industry and wanting to study that to begin with? I think fast-paced nature of events, the satisfaction of creating something where there's there's nothing. So you start with nothing and the end product, it's just so satisfying. Yeah, it really is. It's one of those interesting industries that the uh, more obsessed you are with kind of that high, fast-paced, stressful environment, it tends to feed that part of our desire, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's not, look, it's not for everybody. Uh, it certainly is fast paced. It certainly can be stressful, but yeah, there's something, there's just something about it. There's a certain kind of adrenaline that can be quite addictive. And you not only worked in their world of events, but also decided to go down the path of entrepreneurship and starting your own business. Now, talk me through that process and, and why you decided to, to go down that path. I guess we started it, there were a couple of reasons. Uh, I took some time off for maternity leave. And when I came back to work, I I guess I found that things were different or maybe it was that I was different. Looking for for a a new challenge than our business partners, we all kind of, for our own different reasons, came together and decided that, yeah, a challenge on the supplier side might be um, a really good opportunity. And we saw a very real gap in the market to bring something that was fresh and new that wasn't being catered to. So, so, yeah, in 2013, we, we just decided to uh, bite the bullet, as they say, and, yes, started our journey at being an exhibition supplier. But our point of difference being that we wouldn't just supply the infrastructure, but that it was always intended to be innovative and eco-friendly. Fantastic. And it's so great to see how successful that you've been in bringing some of those areas to life for your customers. And that kind of is a really great segue into my next question. You know, a standard three-day exhibition for around a 1,000 guests will generate more than five tonnes of waste. And I'll let that sink in for a second because that's remarkable. And more than 50% of that will go straight into landfill. Can you tell me a little bit about your personal experience with this? Absolutely. And you're right. Let's take a moment to kind of sink 
let those figures sink in because they're truly horrifying. So as an exhibition supplier, um, and I guess the venues too, we really truly do see the uglier side of events, the less glamorous side. So once, you know, everything's sort of gone and everyone's moved out, uh, what we're left with is often literally mountains of waste just dumped on the exhibition aisle floor. And, and we're, we're tripping over this as we're sort of trying to bump out an event. So this is anything from, you know, the brochure, the printed collateral, promotional items, boxes and packaging, leftover coffee cups or, or drink bottles of any description. Uh, one of the worst offenders, though, I must say, is the event signage, particularly uh, the fascias. So just for those of you who may not know, a fascia refers to the trade booth, your company name that sits on top of your booth. That's a fascia. And traditionally, all of those are printed out of a, a PVC, a Fomex, which is landfill. To give you some further scary statistics on this, so if you were to take those fascia signs from a standard 50 booth show, that would equate to 1.4 cubic meters of landfill. Now, that's just one show. I also, I looked up the Australian government uh, to see roughly how many business events we do in our country per year. And they alluded to that there was potentially over 484,000 business events in a year. Obviously, not all of those would have a trade show. But let's say if we took away two-thirds even, this would still equate to the horrifying number of 225,866 cubic metres of landfill purely only from those fascia sites. I think sometimes it's um, the fact that we just don't know the data, that it's easy to ignore sometimes. And, and I think that we just need to become a little bit more aware of, of the impact that we're having when it comes to some of these practices that have been the norm for such a long time. Absolutely. Can you share some examples of how exhibitors can integrate sustainable practices into their stand design? So in terms of better solutions, signage, engage a supplier that does only use recyclable signage options, and they are out there. Um, or as an individual, you could invest in reusable signage, such as a pull-up banner or a light box. For coffee, make sure that your cups, your takeaway cups, are biodegradable, um, or even edible cups. They're a lot of fun. You can ask the venue potentially to supply reusable china. I've seen that done. Uh, in terms of printed materials, the biggest change I'm seeing in terms of a sustainable option is purely that, you know, from the PCO down, they're requesting, please don't bring them. No printed material. They just make the directive from the top down. There'll be no printed materials. And so therefore, exhibitors just have to look to alternate digital options such as QR codes, iPad presentations. Um, and that is yeah, increasingly common that that request is being made. And then I guess post-event bump out is also a really big problem. And that's due to tight timeframes. Often the room needs to be turned about quickly. There's another event coming in. Or there's lack of sustainable waste recycling options. Options. So often as a supplier, when we go to bump out, we are only given a waste bin. We are not given a recycling option. So that means that under tight timeframes, under tight conditions, we have to just pick up everything and, and throw it in a bin. Fantastic. It's great to hear that there are so many more options out there. Some of the feedback that can come from exhibitors, organisers and, and other parts of the exhibition ecosystem is this really around the cost. And it is a common perception that sustainable events are more expensive. Can you tell us a bit about how sustainable event costs compare to traditional events and also how it actually affects the bottom line in such a competitive world at the moment? Absolutely. Definitely, definitely there is a perception that a sustainable event is going to cost you more. And I guess in the case of some supplies, that that may in fact be true, but it, it is not true for all. So once again, um, I would say do the homework and, and ask the questions because you might actually be pleasantly surprised. 
In terms of the event at large, there are so many factors, lighting, food choices, recycling, transport. So I'll hone in, there's there's a lot there. So I'll hone in specifically within exhibitions though. And I guess that the main cost within the exhibition component of your event is going to be your exhibition booth build and signage and those custom builds. So how I guess you can deliver those in a sustainable way and, and still, you know, have a, a positive or, or not have a negative impact on your bottom line. So the good news about exhibition booth builds is that all exhibition companies, regardless of who you've chosen, their infrastructure is reusable. So in that respect, I guess no matter what supply you choose, that component is a sustainable option and it won't cost any more. It won't impact your bottom line in a negative way. Where suppliers differ though, once again, is that signage, is the event branding and that is definitely one of the biggest costs and barriers to producing a sustainable eco-friendly exhibition option. It's a really good example, actually, and just to, to help people to change their perception and their idea of, of what is possible, even when you are really needing to be mindful of costs as well. And, you know, I think some of the other things that we ask as an industry is that the people making, making the rules help to guide the exhibitors or from the top down sort of management. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or ideas around how exhibition organizers can encourage and incentivize exhibitors to adopt sustainable practices and products in their booths and, and displays? Great question. And I think, Libby, you, you touched on this earlier and you were, you were spot on education. I think that one of the biggest problems we have is that most people either don't know how or they don't know how much landfill is being created. And I feel very much that once people have this information, there'll be a greater level of support. There'll be a greater shift for people wanting to roll out these initiatives and they'll do that intrinsically or organically for themselves. Um, but it's just that, yeah, they either have a barrier in not really knowing how big the problem is or, or not they know it's a problem but they don't know where to start. I think um, other ways we can encourage and incentivize is definitely to get the exhibitors involved. And so we can do, rather than traditionally uh, at an exhibition at a conference, we'll award um, the best-looking stand. So rather than maybe the best-looking stand award, we can switch it to the the most sustainable, you know, initiative stand or to give some form of incentive or prize to, you know, the organization that that really kind of rolled out the most sustainability or had the most engagement with their sustainability, you know, on stand. Fantastic. And some great, great ways. I love, 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 love the idea of changing the award um, to a sustainable award. That's such a great idea and something, such an easy thing for organisers to implement. Now, talking about sustainable practices, you did touch on so many great examples, but let's lean into one of those, which is how can we leverage digital tools and virtual experiences to enhance sustainability and collaboration in events? Yeah, there's so many great digital tools that we can use. One of the, the tools that's becoming um, really popular is the, the use of a conference app. These are fantastic. It's a one-stop shop in terms of everything you need from program content to floor plans, speaker bios and lineups. You can schedule meetings. Um, I love these because these are all without the need for paper and additional waste. I also love that it's quick, fuss-free collaboration between companies. Uh, no longer, you don't even need a business card in this scenario. You can purely share details through the app or schedule a meeting. So I think that's a really great digital tool. And I think we'll be seeing more of that in, in shows to come. Uh, QR codes, online presentations. I know I, I mentioned that briefly earlier. I think they're another really fantastic way to, to just cut down on the paper waste. And what I love about the idea of an online presentation is that I can instantly share that with someone via email. And therefore you are creating yourself 
an active targeted customer list. You won't get that with the paper handout. You know, you, you hand something out, they walk away. You know, you don't have any follow-up. Whereas by creating the digital version, not only is there less waste, but then said you have a targeted, an actual targeted list to, to go home with. Fantastic. Some great, great ideas. There's some other um, great initiatives that are being rolled out now as well, including wayfinders for exhibitions and, you know, the use of more targeted digital signage, et cetera, as well. So it's so great to see so many new initiatives coming out. And I'm sure that it will just continue to grow and develop over the coming years, which is exciting. Now, just following on from, from that, what role does exhibition booth design play in driving innovation within various industries? And how has has the role changed in recent years? There is obviously um, a three by three booth, and that is effectively is is you think trade show. That's that's what you get. Um, however, I do believe that role is changing, and there are certainly companies that are pushing the envelope in terms of driving that innovation and driving changes to what you should expect out of you know the exhibition booth and its role within the exhibition. I think as an event organizer, you want to consider well what is the purpose of my exhibition? What is what is the need of my exhibitors here? Is it to exhibit product? Is it purely to share information? And depending on those answers, then I think informs what type of product you need, what inclusions you need inside of that exhibition space. There's an us versus them mentality that I see. Um, when, when you have a traditional three by three box, because you've got those big sidewalls. So you can't actually see what's going on or who's in that booth until you are literally on top of them. And so one of two things happens is either people just walk down the exhibition aisle and they just sort of keep walking, or you might have exhibitors that are kind of launching themselves out of their booth, trying to accost people in the aisle. And so I see very much that there is a very real change from that style to something that, as I said, is, is more modern, is innovative, that is open, that is conducive to, to making those connections. Fantastic. And there is obviously innovation that's happening within the exhibition stands and there's lots of innovation that's happening as we, you know, develop into a more sustainable practices. Now, thinking about PCOs, conferences that happen with an exhibition on the side, you tend to sometimes the space can be an afterthought and maybe not considered as much as say the plenary and all the additional conferencing areas. What are some of the things that organizers really need to be thinking about when they're choosing a venue that has an exhibition component? That is a really good question. Um, there's, so, there's so much um, that I can say about that. I think the first thing to, to suggest, and this goes to the bottom line, um, is asking the, the less thought of and the less kind of glamorous questions around logistics for one. I have done um, many, many shows where an organizer is contracted to a venue and the loading dock is not even high enough to fit in anything bigger than, say, a minivan, which if you're bringing in exhibition, that makes that very, very difficult to achieve. Or I've also been contracted many times at venues where there is no service lift. There is a lift from the loading dock, but there is no service lift of a decent enough size to actually get any form of stock or travel box into. So then what you're staring down the barrel of is hand unloads, which is incredibly labor intensive, which equals dollars. Now, these are all things that happen once they're contracted. If you have an intended uh, exhibition supplier, invite them along with you because the logistics, they're the type of things that, you know, that's a big part of what we do. And so we will instantly be able to ask the questions that, you know, you might not think to ask. The other thing I would say, now this is, this is the more fun part, is around the design. Working within the natural features of a room, and I find that, and this is another limitation, 
This is why um, or I don't like the three-by-three three boxes is because they're, they're very limiting in what you can achieve. So if you go into a room that has uh, pillars everywhere, it makes it hard to kind of build around that or you have to build in front of it, which means you lose floor space, less exhibitors you can put in the room. I recently built a show. There was a curved glass wall. It was stunning. It had a beautiful view to the outside. Now, um, we were called because the conference organizer did not want to block out that view. They wanted to, you know, to make sure that that, that was a view that, that could be seen, that natural light would fl- still flood into the exhibition space. But the curve through a little bit of a curveball because obviously straight backed booth walls do not go naturally with curves. So we, um, we have a product that is, uh, more of a, a storage tower pod type option. And that in combination with some furniture placement and counters was able to replicate. They still got a three by three space, but we were a lot more flexible in where we could position them and how they looked. And it ended up, it was a great show because it enhanced the natural features of the room rather than kind of working against it and then fit the organizers brief of, of what they wanted to achieve out of the show. Fantastic. A great example shared there, which is, um, and it shows how many challenges that can be in play. And obviously looking at working with suppliers that are really flexible is something that can bring to life in a way that you would never have expected it to be possible. I'm wondering if you have any do's and don'ts or common mistakes that people, you see people make in exhibition stands. Um, one of the, the biggest mistakes I see is, I think, the attachment to the gimmicks, um, promotional hats, key rings, squeezy balls, etc. Because I think we can all relate um, to this, to, uh, you know, going to a trade show, being given one of these hats, you know, only to kind of go, I don't want that. And it ends up either in landfill or being donated to Vinnie's. So I think that is, in my opinion, a big don't. People are looking for something deeper than that. I absolutely um, understand the need for an activation, but I think that there are probably some more considered, more relevant uh, ways to, to create that engagement and activation. So for instance, you can actually plant a tree for as little as $3 a unit. And so for $3, that's cost comparable, if not cheaper, to say the branded hat or key ring. And I feel that probably something that your the delegates, the people visiting your stand will engage with a lot more. Another thing to consider is just less is more, particularly in terms of, you know, your your branding and the messaging you want to put out there. So I see too many times, you know, these companies and they've all got great initiatives, great messages, great products they want to sell. But sometimes if you try to sell everything all in the one space, what ends up happening is it's it's very visually cluttered. And that can sometimes be incredibly overwhelming for a person, for a delegate in the aisle who already is overwhelmed. So my biggest piece of advice is try to find simple messaging, choose one or two messages, stick with that, and then potentially use things like your iPads, your a TV with a presentation to bring in other additional products or messages that you want to share with your audience. Fantastic. I I think there's some really, really great ideas there and certainly some things that remind us that sometimes we're a little stuck in the past. So great to be reminded there of those. Now, shifting gears a little bit and to to finish up, I would love to know, is there any um, advice that you would give anyone who is new to events or considering moving into the industry? First bit of advice is stay calm. Um, And the second bit of advice is always have not just a plan B, but a plan C. 
because guaranteed, um, no matter what event you're running and no matter how well organized you can be, there's obviously a lot of moving parts and exhibitions. And so it may not be your side, but it could be someone else's sort of um, side of that event that throws a curveball your way. Great advice. I love the concept of a plan C or potentially we need to go even further down the alphabet in some situations. Now to wrap up, we'd love to just get to know you a little bit more with the fast five questions. Now I would love to know what is the most memorable event that you have attended? There was a dental congress that um, that I went to that just had the most phenomenal exhibition floor plan. There was really considered activations within the space. So there were catering zones, there were network lounges. But what I loved about this event was that it, just for the fun of it, I believe, um, pop art was its theme and they really carried that through the entire exhibition. And so they created these really funky um, three-dimensional boxes colored in really bright, really vibrant pop art. And they were there for no other reason other than to be a visual feature, but it just brought so much joy and so much fun to the space. The great thing, I think, for the organizer, and maybe this was intentional, I'm not sure, but people were photographing themselves in front of these cubes and then hashtagging the event. And so they created a lot of additional promotion for themselves just by incorporating these, you know, these colored boxes. Wonderful. Sounds like a great event. Now, what is your favorite city in the world? Paris. Uh, I love the architecture. I love the, you know, the look of the old buildings and I love how um, in all of the arrondissements bar, the, the defence region, that they're at a set height. And so you can sort of just truly look over the entirety of Paris. Beautiful. I don't think there's too many people that don't love Paris. It's such a beautiful city. Uh, the best book or movie of all time? I'm quite fond of love, actually. Really enjoy the, the message behind that movie around human relationships and, and connections. Beautiful. And, and what or who is your greatest inspiration? This is probably going to sound like a corny answer, but truly I am, I am inspired by nature, trees, flowers, the beauty of a sunset. I find that that has the ability to um, uplift you if you're sad, give you ideas when you're stuck, or just give you pause from what's probably otherwise a, a busy day. Now, would we be more likely to see you climb a mountain or jump out of a plane? Oh, climb a mountain for sure. There's no way. There's not enough money in the world you could pay me to jump out of a plane. <laughs> Thank you so much, Belinda. Just wanting to know, how can our listeners find you online if they want to get in touch with yourself or Outstanding Displays? Uh, LinkedIn page. You can either go to the Outstanding Displays or Belinda Meredith on LinkedIn. Send me a message. We'd love to connect. Thanks for joining us, Belinda, and thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Conference Collective, brought to you by the PCOA and Connected Event Group.